Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Crash, the UK Geek Podcast. This is episode 318, recorded on Thursday, the 18th of June, 2020, and the time at the beginning of the show is 23.34.58. Sorry for my absence for quite a while. This was for a number of reasons that you'll hear in the next episode, which I'm taping right after this one. I'm doing back-to-back episodes today. This episode, I am taping this side of midnight, and the next episode, the other side of midnight. This is the retro rewatch-specific episode of Crash. Today, we are only talking about Doctor Who. I'm not going to bore you with a lot of extra tangential but interesting to geek stuff, unless it's Who-related. Tonight, that is the 1974 serial, Doctor Who, Death to the Daleks. As has been the case for quite some time, John Pertwee plays the third Doctor, Sarah Jane Smith is played by Elizabeth Slarden. The director is Michael E. Bryant, the writer Terry Nation, producer Barry Letts. This is serial three of season 11, which follows on from Invasion of the Dinosaurs, which I covered in episodes 314 to 315. Two episodes, mainly because I missed something out. Death to the Daleks consists of four 25-minute episodes first broadcast from the 23rd of February to the 16th of March, 1974. As usual, we'll start off with our On This Day in the UK, although tonight we're starting a little differently On this actual day, that is Thursday the 18th of June 2020, Dame Vera Lynn, famous in World War II for the song We'll Meet Again, died age 103. Her family said Dame Vera Lynn, who lived in Ditching, East Sussex, passed away earlier today, 18th of June 2020, surrounded by her close family. R.I.P. Vera Lynn. Back to our regular item and our regular On This Day section regarding the first broadcast of this Doctor Who serial on that actual day, 23rd of February 1974. The only thing of note in the UK on that day, was musical. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Did you like the pun? Look, I'm trying. Was that, and thank God, Slade's Merry Christmas Everybody was finally booted off its perch by Susie Quattro's Devilgate Drive. When I was a child and first heard that song... I used to hear not Devilgate Drive, but Dimbleby Drive. (laughs) 
in my defense, I was probably distracted by super hot Susie. Yes, I was very young, but she's incredibly hot. And the only bassist to ever make the bass guitar look like a cool instrument. Rock and roll Susie. As always, let's start off with my summary of what happened, and then I'll go on to what I thought, and follow with some trivia, and then that will be it. What happens then? The TARDIS ends up stranded on a planet called Exilon because of some mysterious force that drains the TARDIS of power, so they are forced to land. The Doctor almost immediately runs into some similarly stranded Earth Marines who are there. They tell him to mine a mineral called Perinium. And the reason they're doing that is that they're on a rescue mission to get this mineral because it will provide a cure for a deadly plague epidemic. And yes, that storyline at the moment is a little bit on the nose. A Dalek ship also lands and the human marines make a truce with the Daleks to mine the Perinium. Sara, who is separated from the Doctor, is kidnapped by natives of the planet and held so that she can be sacrificed to a spectacular city that her Exilon captors worship. Sara is later rescued by the Doctor and they escape into tunnels chased by Daleks now equipped with projectile weaponry that can work without electrical energy. One of the chasing Daleks is destroyed in the tunnels by a cybernetic root equipped with a laser. These roots defend the city and are found throughout the tunnels and makes going through the tunnels quite perilous. They then meet some friendly Exilons, including Belal, who does not share the superstitious beliefs of the other group of Exilons and only wishes to see an end to the tyranny of the automated and deadly city his ancestors built. When the Doctor realises that the city is powered by an energy-draining beacon that caused the three ships to become trapped, he and Bilal set out on a mission to destroy it. They gain entry to the city and then traverse a maze full of lethal puzzles and find the city's control room at the centre. The Doctor hacks some electronic circuit boards and inadvertently, as usual, 
sets off an automated defense system consisting of big, dumb, tough, Exelon-like guards or cyborgs or zombies or golems which destroy the following Daleks. And then his tinkering, however, does manage to give the city's computer brain an aneurysm. There follows a dramatic scene outside the city as the Dalek ship, no longer drained, takes off. When everyone thinks all is lost, the Daleks have won. It is blown up by a marine hidden on board. As the city falls, the Doctor wistfully looks on, regretting that one of the wonders of the universe has now been destroyed. That's the general storyline in brief. Let's listen to a little ad break and then we'll come back and I'll tell you what I thought. What's an adrenaline junkie bike career to do after a fatal wipeout? How about inheriting a weird box, partnering up with a lethal and sexy reporter, and going on the adventure of a lifetime? Join Geeky X Rocker and his enigmatic partnering crime as they are drawn into the mystery of the century deep in the dark heart of London. It is a secret that will change their lives forever, if it doesn't kill them first. The Horrors Box is a very dark, very funny, fast-paced, action-packed, suspense thriller brimming with pop culture nostalgia and unique characters. If you liked Raiders of the Lost Ark, The Goonies, National Treasure, and Preston and Child's Agent Pendergast series, you will love this high-octane and explosive page-turner as quirky and British as James Bond and Doctor Who by UK author Roy Martha. Oh, that's me. And this is my book. You can find The Horus Box on Amazon as a Kindle ebook now. Hello again. What I thought. It really is amazing, isn't it? Coincidence. Last time, I said how I really don't mind the quarries and gravel pits used by the BBC as alien environments. In Doctor Who and Blake 7, those two particularly. And then the very next recap episode, we're in some kind of old quarry. I looked up the location and it is actually Hansen's Aggregates, in brackets, Binagar Plain Quarry. Puddletown Road, Gallows Hill, that's reassuring, in Dorset. We asked for a quarry and we got a quarry. The universe is very strange. Next, an inconsistency alert. If the beacon drains electrical energy, how do the Daleks move? How does the Doctor's sonic screwdriver still work? How does anything electrical in fact remain functioning when the beacon is activated? Okay, nerd pedantry satisfied? I can move on now. (laughs) That maze 
of lethal puzzles. I love stuff like that. I really love sci-fi and I love mazes. Put them together and you've got a double combo of sci-fi weird goodness I really like. It is one of my favourite themes. Other examples include the excellent Robert Silverberg novel, The Man in the Maze, 1968. I highly recommend that. Or, of course, the Cube series of films. Or even The Maze Runner. Though I haven't put that down in my notes. And there are many, many more examples of mazes and science fiction. And they're usually dangerous and will kill you. I really enjoy that aspect of sci-fi. And that's one reason I liked this Doctor Who story. I thought the diminutive Exelon ally of the Doctor, Bilal, played by an actor called Arnold Yarrow, who I believe is still around, was particularly endearing. I think he would have made a splendid companion to the Doctor, although having to wear that costume every week for however long you would have to be a companion, you'd have to be really dedicated to do that. But I bet if he had been given the chance, he would. But then we have Sarah Jane Smith as a companion, and she's good enough. Actually, I was talking about the number of companions at any one time, and I don't think it's a great idea that Jodie Whittaker has so many companions, even though they're all great. I think it would have been better if she just had the policewoman as a companion. Then she would have had more dialogue, more to say. Yeah, I feel that having too many companions can dilute the Doctor's time on screen. And for me, the focus really is on this strange alien with a time machine. If you heard a ding in the background, I'm not sure if you did because I'm not wearing my headphones at the moment, that's probably my timer telling me to go for a walk, but as I'm standing up, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to carry on until the end of this episode and then have a rest and do the next general geek episode. Where was I? Yeah, too many companions and Arnold Yarrow would have made a splendid companion as Belal, the nice Exelon. Talking about the Exelons, the Exelon body costumes and just look like loose rubber over ordinary humans. It doesn't look comfortable either. And it's just not a great look. But at least the rough exteriors and the colour of those bodies match the planet's similar look. What else? Oh, well, yeah, I thought that the Daleks, although they are nasty buggers. They are nasty machine-oid space Nazis, but they do improvise well. Swapping their usual beams for mechanical machine guns strikes me as a stroke of genius. And finally, although I could probably talk about this for an hour, but let's just end on one last thought. When the Doctor enters the center of the maze. He goes to the central processing unit, the computer brain, 
and he goes to some nearby circuit boards and pulls them out and fiddles with them, and eventually this leads to the destruction of the computer, which in turn leads to the destruction of the city. I'm digressing. The point is, someone made a prop for the computer brain. It was a cuboid plexiglass box with a globe of plexiglass in the centre and some wires and circuits and other things. It looked great. It reminded me of Aurac from Blake 7, although, honestly, the computer brain for the Exelon City looked far cooler. A cube containing a sphere. There's something very iconic and cool about that prop. And now I'm thinking I wouldn't mind having a real computer case just like that. Finally, let's move on to some trivia. First, here's an answer to a fascinating question about this Doctor Who podcast that nobody asked because I barely get any correspondence about this show. Listen, I could do with some contact here. Help! The question is... Where do I get the information for this show? The answer is mainly my memory from watching the show on repeat, and if I've watched it before, that also. There is also the BBC's Doctor Who page. There's Wikipedia. There's TARDIS Data Core. IMDB. The British... Television magazine that I believe originated with the BBC, the Radio Times. There's also Doctor Who, the location guide. And whatever other random sources I continually find. Is any of this information double fact-checked? As you would do if you were a New York Times or Guardian reporter? No, of course they're not. Next, a last little piece of trivia that I wanted to share with you. It's not so much trivia, it's my view on something about this run of Doctor Who. And that is that I'm really enjoying this season's credits. There's this swirly blue psychedelic crystals, the Doctor's serious expression and his stationary stance as he suddenly shrinks back into the centre of the screen. It is very trippy, very grown up. It reminds me strongly of the Sapphire and Steel credits, I think, from my dim memory. Maybe I'll have to revisit that sometime, but that's what it reminded me of immediately, and I quickly looked up stuff on Sapphire and Steel, What I should have done is fact-check whether the end credits in this run of Doctor Who is similar to the Sapphire and Steel credits, but I got distracted by Joanna Lumley, which I think is excusable. And that is it. I've got a bit of resting to do. (laughs) And then I've got another episode to record. The show that you have just been listening to is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Martha, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com. 
For further reading, there's a link to the show notes in the description of this episode. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen and recommend it to a friend and also get in touch. Like I said, it's lonely doing a solo podcast without people asking me stuff. You were listening to Crash the UK Geek Podcast. This was episode 318, recorded on Thursday the 18th of June 2020, but ending on Friday the 19th of June 2020 at 3 minutes and 38 seconds past midnight. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!